0: Hearts, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen. And so we're in the middle of our series. So, if you um, last week we started uh, a series out of Psalm 103, and we're just kind of going through it. it's just this beautiful psalm um, from David, and, and there's a lot in it. And you know, he he's just this this man who is you know, if you, if you weren't here last week, he's just this perfect picture of of I think what. God hopes all of our walks look like. Because, again, he's this guy that is just fully himself, you know. And you get a sense as you read his story and as you understand David that he saw everything as God. He realized that, like, this good and this bad, this this triumph or this struggle, all of it was inherently overseen by God Almighty. All of it was within his framework, within God's ability to understand and move past and bless. And before I, I do anything else, I just want to read Psalm 103 um, because I think it's just it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage. And so he says Psalm 103. It's not up there, so you can just listen. Just, but this is David. Um, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits He will not shy, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like the grass. He flourishes like a flower on the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more, but the steadfast the love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O oh you angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of the Lord. Bless the Lord, all his hosts. The ministries who do his will. Bless the Lord all his works in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord all my soul. Man, what there's just so much there, right? You just get this sense that David is just fully aware of so many different things. And and last week, if you were here, you you realize that he understood really clearly how this God who had called him and chosen him and spoke to him and, and brought him from this shepherd boy to a king, understood this, the power of God's forgiveness. He was able to f- tangibly know because this was a guy who made some mistakes. And so the forgiveness of God, this understanding that David had was so powerful and it, was, it gave him reason to sing, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And thank you that you don't see me in my iniquities. And to be able to speak from a place where he had what I believe is this beautiful revelation. And today's message is around family out of Psalm 103.13. And in that scripture... He had this revelation that says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Another translation says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And so I want to talk to you, when we talk about family, we have to understand what, what that looks like. And I think what God is trying to establish at the very beginning is that he is father. That he is, and again, he uses that in a context for us to understand. Right? Do I think God is this big old white man who sits on a throne like with a big long beard? I don't think so. But in God's understanding of how he needs to convey things to us, he's going, I am father. Because the idea of father back then, remember he's speaking to a people that back then, who your father was meant everything. Who your father was, whether you had one or didn't, in this period of time, determined everything. Everything about your life. Everything. It determined the kind of job you were going to have. It determined your social status. It determined every aspect of your life was because of your father. And so it makes all the sense in the world that God would come, that he'd be speaking to his people, and he would say, I am your father. Because what he's trying to say is it's not about being me being male or whatever, but I am the one who is determining your future now. And he wanted to make that super clear to the Israelites. Like, I am your father. And whether your father is a lowly carpenter, whether your father is the mightiest of soldiers, whether your father is not around, I'm speaking to the people of God To tell you that I am your father. I am the one who determines your trajectory. I am the one who determines your growth. And it's in my love that I want you to know this. And so there's a few points I want to make very clear today. Because we can read something like this when we say, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender, compassionate, compassionate. To those who fear him. We can look at that word and go, okay, Chad, but he, I have to fear him. And that feels weird to me. But when you start to pull that apart, and you start to pull that apart in the Greek and in the Hebrew, there's different words for the word fear that the Bible uses. And the version of the word fear that he uses in this particular scripture translates to a word yira, Y-I-R-A. Which means to stand stand in awe. To stand in awe. And really, one of the only few times he uses fear in a negative connotation is in another piece of scripture where he says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. The translation of that word is confusion. Misunderstanding. And so it's really important that we read this because what God is saying is that I am tender and compassionate to those who are in awe of all that I've done. And it makes all the sense in the world because David and the people before him have seen God do incredible things. You know, my kids watched um, Prince of Egypt for the first time. It's such a good movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. And again, because I'm emotional, I cried during it and I was like, what? You know, and Jackson's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, you know daddy cries. And, uh, And... But you see all these things God is doing to say that, again, to make clear, I am your father. And even though you were born slaves and born into slavery, you are not slaves. And that you can be free people because I am your father. And so when he's trying to make this clear, that this sense of awe because of A parting of a red sea in a pillar of fire, It, it boggles the mind, but it denotes this awe that God is saying. Like, I'm tender and compassionate to those who can look in adoration, in awe of what I will do for you. And David understood that in Psalm 103. It's like, all that you've done, every iniquity that you don't judge me by, he is in this moment in Psalm 103, standing in year, in awe of God. Because you should have wiped me out, God, at times. Because I haven't always sought you the way that I know I should. And David understood that. And so I think it's so important that we understand when God says he's asking us to fear him, almost every translation of that translates into one of those words of awe wonder, reverence. And again, they translate in different ways. Yira, mora, yara. These are different translations of denoting this, this bigness and and seen understanding of who God is. And it's because God is trying to make something really clear. And it leads us to our first point, that what God is trying to make abundantly clear is God is perfect love. And in Matthew 6, 5 through 15, we we see Jesus now talking and he's saying, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither can your father forgive your trespasses. And I love that because he's saying like, go and be alone with your, just like you would now. Go be with your father. And I know that this topic is hard too because, again, father has so much weight to it depending on how we have experienced that word tangibly. And again, it doesn't diminish anything. And I understand more than others, like what it looks like to, to, to deal with this. I've dealt with that in my own life, with my own dad, where you have this image and then you feel like it changes. And then only over time do you see God start to reconcile that. And you see how, how human your parents really are as you get older. As you start to talk to them, you realize that these are not these idols that we looked at as you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, whatever the age, thirteen, forty year olds. That they were human too. And that they and that God is saying, like, I am their father just as much as He is our Father, because He's again reinforcing my thoughts towards you determine your trajectory. And that's a thing we have to wrestle with and it's not an easy thing for those that that have a broken view of that and so it's it's so important is why i was trying to make clear how god talks about his love and reverence and awe because he's tender and compassionate and we see this jesus now the son of this god he says i am the son of god i know what god is saying I, i we commune in a way that I'm trying to articulate to you that you are able to commune with as well. And then so beautifully goes, look, here it is. This is how you should pray. And this is Jesus saying, like, this is so, like, he must have gone and done this. The moments that we see in scripture where he went alone into the wilderness to go spend time with God, to go be alone. We see, let pray like this, Right? And don't make a big spectacle of it, but pray. And don't fill it with empty words, but just pray. Just talk. And when he's saying pray, he's saying commune. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Beginning with praise. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Moving to this place of you know what's best. On earth, give me this day, this daily bread. Centering the fact that all we have is what's right in front of us. That he's making this prayer very time-bound. He's like, God, you know what to do, so you give me what's here for today. And that's the area that that God allows us to be a part of, is the today. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Again, moving to a place of reminder and forgiveness. It's core to the kingdom. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil. Help us to remember who you are, God. I love this. And he goes on to say in Matthew 7, 7-11, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I find it interesting that he comes into this in Matthew 7 from setting up how to pray in six five Because it, if you look at that, it starts to then reveal a real parallel about how we pray. Because a lot of us go here to 7 and go, oh, if I knock, if I ask, if I seek, if I do all this, if I do, you'll do it. But what we're forgetting is what he said up front. We come to him with this place of, like, keeping all this, like, request, taking all these things that, in Matthew 6, he's saying, God already knows. So come into this place full of adoration, recognizing that I am able and I am willing. And so this is why it's so important that we read scripture in its full context and why just a single passage can, can, can throw things off. Because you look at that and, and, you know, there could be churches like, look, just ask for it, man. God will give it to you. Like... And that's true. God doesn't desire to withhold things. So that is true. But we have to look at what he says earlier where he goes, but you have to pray like this though. Because again, my prayer is I'm not obsessed with the future. Give me this day, this daily bread. What is right here in front of me? Forgive me of my trespasses today. Because I don't know what tomorrow brings. And so what you see is Jesus who is obsessed with the present and a God who's saying, yeah. Yeah. You be obsessed with right now. And because I'm your father and not the person that just gave birth to you or helped create you, I will make sure those things that are coming will come. And so Jesus, pray like this. And God, help us to pray like this, to give us our daily bread. Because our father is willing to give, is willing to as we knock, as we go daily to him and, and say, God, give me this daily bread. Give me this daily bread. What do you have for me today? What do you have for me today? That perpetual journey is the knocking. This daily bread that he's talking about is this knock and you will find. You know, this knock and the door will be open. This seek, you will find. This is that daily bread. And I'm, I'm coming every day to this place where I am seeking my bread so that, I could be fulfilled and I could be full of of joy, full of, of hope. And then what happens is, our God of the future, who lives in a place that we do not, sees where we are on the other end of that and knows what we're walking towards. And he knows that as we take our daily bread, we're getting closer and closer to that thing. And I love this, and I love that Jesus outlines this for us that God is perfect love. He does not desire to withhold anything from us. But he does ask that you just focus on what's in front of you. To look at the people around you. If you're so consumed with walking into your office that you don't see anybody anymore, you've forgotten your daily bread course it makes all the sense in the world that your life would be confusing because you're living in a place you were never meant to live and God is saying just I got you I'll give you your daily bread that pursuit that that desire is knocking and, it's, and guess what I will open that door I desire not to keep things from you God is perfect love the second point is the Father's love is perfect. And these might feel like the same things, and again, there, but there's, there's an intricacy in them. And, and in Hebrews 2, 5-11, through 11, it kind of sets up what that is. And he goes, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves." And he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you were left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are legitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we haven't had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For, the discipline us, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And this is what God's talking about when His perfect love. Because again, he's trying to get us to this point where we understand his intent for correction because this isn't about fear. This isn't about directing. This is about, I know that you're seeking something because what he says beforehand is like, I see, I know that you're knocking and that there's this desire for this daily bread and there is this thing that you're walking towards that maybe you understand it or maybe you fully don't or you're somewhere in the middle and whatever's going on. But in that daily bread, in that pursuit, I'm trying to show my perfect love and that is take you on this journey of, of correction and growth. And this is what David is proclaiming. So 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 just joyfully because he's gone on this journey and he's still on this journey. He understands the correction of what it looks like to come through to get some things wrong, to see God come back to him and say, "Hey, you have to you have to kind of man up about this responsibility." And it's not because I'm angry like we saw last week. He doesn't hold anger the way that we hold anger. His purpose and intent isn't to drag us when you see that in Scripture. He says he doesn't, but he can be frustrated with how we pursue. And I've, I've been watching this, um, this movie. We have to understand the weight of it. And I wish I had time to you know, do some really cool example. But I've been wa- re- re-watching the, the Lost in Space um. Um, thing on Netflix. So it's like they they take all these old movies and they make them cool again and Netflix them to death. And and so there's like a new, you know, anybody lost lost in space as a kid? I did, right? Like, danger, danger, right? Like, I was obsessed with that stuff. I'm a sci-fi nerd. I'm not a huge fan of, like, dragons, and I'm less of a, you know, wizards guy. I'm more of, like, a spaceship guy. So, anyways, just my thing. Michaela's a wizard guy. I'm a spaceship guy, and we get along just fine. So, and, uh, but there's this, you know, in, the, in, this, in this story, it, you know, it, they have a lot of freedom to do what they want, right? Because it was just kind of like a TV series, and it had, like, a movie that was kind of weird. It had, like, Matt LeBlanc in it, right? Which you think of, like, Matt LeBlanc, and, like, yeah, he's just like, oh, my God. You know, he's like, you're not a good actor. Uh, and, like, friends is great. Bless you, but you were called for that. Like, God made you for friends. Um, and uh, I'm just kidding. Calm down. Um, and so, but there's, there's a scene where he meets the, you know, no, there's no spoilers here. He meets the robot and there's all these things going on and some things go bad and there's a crash landing and a lot of people kind of, uh, you know, obviously die from a plane from a spaceship crash when you're in space. And, uh, or so I hear. And, um, and the, this robot and this boy have built this bond. But everybody's very kind of leery of the robot. And, they, you, the, you know, the robot's kind of the cause of this crash. And, this, this, again, there's no spoilers in this. And the, the, the actual, the father of the son uh, has kind of done his best to, like, protect the kid from everybody kind of giving him these glares. But, it, you know, and there's this part where he goes, he takes him up to this mountaintop. And the robot's with him. And the dad asks the kid to start picking up the f- biggest stones he can find. He's like, hey, pick up find the biggest stone. And so the kid goes, hey, robot, like, let's go grab some stones. And the dad's like, no, 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 I want you to grab the biggest stone you can carry. And he, like, picks it up and you see him struggle and he, and he puts it down and he goes, he's like, I want you to understand the weight of your responsibility with this robot because I'm for you no matter what. But this, that the, the mistake this robot made cost a bunch of people their lives, right? And and it's this, and it's this really cool little moment where This you see this kid kind of carrying these, like, heavy stones and to remember, like, you know, what it was and understand, like, the weight of what he's been entrusted with. And you see a father who's lovingly, very, very tenderly kind of helping him understand that, not shaming him, not making him feel terrible about it because these things happen, right? Like, it's, it's a, you know, in this context, it's a robot. And I don't know anything about robots. But, you know, and so, but it's, it's what God is trying to make clear when he's saying our father's love is perfect. That he asks us, he'll ask us at times to bring these things only to lay them down. It's not our job to pick them up or keep them forever or keep them over here in a pile that, like anything else, like he did with David, he took David on this journey of correction, on this path of, hey, like, I'm your father because you can understand that conceptually. And you understand this idea. If I can get this idea across of, of being father, then I can start to have this conversation with you about understanding and owning some of those things. And because of who I am, because of what we talked about last week, because of the way I forgive, I don't see you. As the thing that you've done. But I still need you to kind of understand the weight of what you've done. I need you to grasp the weight of the thing that uh, hur- like hurts my heart as a father. And so... And all I'm asking you to do, though, is to pick it up and lay it at my feet. I'm not asking you to continue to hold it. I'm not asking you to stick it in some bag and keep carrying it. I'm not asking you to do anything else with it other than be willing to pick it up and understand the weight of it. That's all. Understand the weight of what's taken place. And it's awesome because what they end up doing that in the, in the, in the movie is there's this beautiful kind of little stone monument that they built. Right? As like a remembrance. And I think that's what happens is we bring these things to God's feet. And we, and we lay them because of what Jesus has done. And what we see is everything that Jesus has taken upon us. Because it's, it's always, was, always was God's intent to send his son so that you and me and all of us could be sons and daughters. And that's what our next point is. That we are God's sons and daughters. That he wants to make this clear. like He wants you to understand the weight. He doesn't just let you do your thing like he was talking about in Hebrews. You're not illegitimate children. I have to, I have to, I have to, you have to understand the weight because even my own son did because he was my son and he understood the weight at the garden where he was just Hunched over in, in prayer and sweat and anguish, going, Oh, there's so much weight. And to the point where, again, we understand, like it feels like it wants to break you. He's like, Take this if there's any other way. He, but yeah, He understood. Because, again, as we impacted last week, He saw us as joy. Jesus did this. He's walked in His sonship because He counted us all as joy. Because God wants us to know that we are sons and daughters. And it says in Romans five, fifteen to 17, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification for if because one man's trespass death reigned through one that one man much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man jesus christ romans 15 15 to 17 this is paul understanding he's like this is why he did it he was doing this because again god's context was we weren't slaves He said, you are my sons and my daughters. You are the ones that I see and I care for. You are the ones that I want that can come into a room, shut the door, and ask without any hesitation. You can come at any point in time and ask, how freeing is that? And it should anchor us in a way where it makes these things feel lighter. Because again... The difference, the world will make you carry those rocks. They'll say it's there forever. And people will look back on it and be like, well, (laughs) the one time. And we see that all the time. But God is saying, I am a father who is not like a father you know, who's not like a dad that maybe shamed you and dragged you and hurt you. Now, I want you to understand that, but you don't have, once, once you've brought it to me, I'll never ask you to carry it again. Once you've brought it to me, and you've really brought it to me, I'll never ask you to carry it again. Because you are my son, and why? You are my daughter, and why would I do that? Why would I do that? This sonship is best brought to life in the story of the prodigal son. Where you see these two boys... And this dad who, for a long time, I could identify with, you know, the one that stuck around. And, if, and the story goes, you know, there's two sons, and one's this kind of really diligent, you know, maybe he's like a type A, you know, type person. Like, I'm out there, I'm hustling, I'm doing all the work. And there's kind of like the younger brother, and, you know, any younger brothers out there? You guys are slackers. I'm the oldest brother, so I'm the hardest worker. These younger siblings, dead weight. Um, and, uh, just kidding, uh... And, but what you see is this, this, this younger brother kind of come back, hey, hey, dad, like, so, and I don't feel like that's too dissimilar to now, because I feel like there's a lot of kids that maybe have access to a lot of, you know, funds or finance, and, you know, you kind of wonder, like, what's it like to be a professional, like, travel blogger, and you're like, how do you do this? And they're like, all over the world, you know, doing stuff. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not, I don't know. So they, but he kind of cashes out, right? He goes like, hey, just give me everything now. I know there's kind of this, like, payment you have for me over time. But I'm going to go ahead and do the lump sum, so let's do this. And, and 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 the father's like, okay, like, and lets him do that. Much obviously to the dismay of the oldest son, who's like, what? Hey, whoa! Like, he's like, I'm out here in the field. Like, what are you? What are you letting him do? And and I can recognize that because I think what God is trying to gleam is we can always identify with one of those two people, right? Like we can look at what God's trying to do in a way. And I think a lot of us sometimes can feel like the firstborn because you've lost this idea that God is a father who's not trying to make you carry and drag all these things and keep them for forever. And you see somebody just immediately kind of walk into freedom. And you're like, hey, what the heck? That's not cool. That's not fair. What are you doing? Wait, 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 wait. I was over here. I was over here like doing stuff. And we miss this important aspect of who God is that he is, again, being a father to both. And you know the story, if you don't, the prodigal son, he goes out and kind of squanders it all, you know, the whole thing. Like, oh, the, the, the food and the drink and the women and the this and the that and the high living. And, you know, this guy ends up in this kind of like, you know, pig pen and uh, squalor because he's burned it all. And he's like, why? Wait a minute. How come I don't have any friends anymore because I'm not rich? Like, it's, and it, again, it's weird because it, it could, <laughs> there's so much that doesn't change. Human nature that doesn't change. Because so much sometimes we could feel people around us just because of what we have to offer. Right? Or that's the only way I can be loved is because I have something to offer. And it and and, and might be wealth or it might be ideas or it might be things that you feel like you have to offer. And eventually those things kind of dry up sometimes because it's never an infinite supply. And you're going like, whoa, well, wait, wait, where is like, where are all the, you know, you're doing like that Lost Travolta thing, right? You know, anybody seen that meme where he's just kind of like looking it was like this? It's one of my favorite. Um, and you feel really confused because you're like, everybody's gone. And I love this about scripture. like, because we think the problems we face are so unique. But this is, you know, thousands of years ago, a person who is now experiencing being abandoned because he was used. And he felt let down. And so he comes back and, you know, and there's this beautiful imagery of, of, of the father saying he's waiting like at the At the beginning of the of the road, and he sees his son and, and goes to him, like starts to move towards him and and grabs him and, and robes him and and says you know b- brings him back to the house, because he knew in that moment he was bringing back his stones. He was like, "This is heavy. here you go, and because God was good, and because he's trying to make this clear. He didn't have him carried anymore. He said, Here's my robe. Here's my ring. Go get the calf. Go start a party. And then his brother, who's being a turd, goes, Hey, he just wasted all the money and everything that he's built. And now you're throwing him a party. What's going on? This isn't fair. I'm upset about this. And I think God's making so real. The two truths that we can't forget why God sent Jesus. So that we could be sons. And that firstborn still saw his God as this, his father as this guy who only saw his worth in what he outputted. What he produced. The wins he put on the board. And it frustrated him. Because he didn't have this revelation that his own dad would have just done whatever anyways. No matter what, he would have done the same thing that he did for the youngest son. He forgot that he was a son. He started to believe that he was just a worker. Just this person that was like everyone else in the field, doing their thing, hoping to get what was coming to them one day. And the father says, this was always yours. This is always yours. And this is God's heart towards us. He's like, this is always yours. Relax. This is always yours. It's why Jesus came. He's like, I'm sending my son so you know how to be a son. Because I understand all the religion you've seen before. I understand all the Pharisees and all the things and everything that came before. I tried to make things perfect. It didn't work. I tried to give you rules. It didn't work. I let you do your own thing. It didn't work. And the only thing to do is to send a son. Because it was the only way I can make abundantly clear your value to me. Because some tablets couldn't do it. And you running around doing your own thing couldn't do it. I had to send my son... So you can see you are a son. And that you could live like a son. And no matter how far off you run away. I am with you always. We are God's sons and daughters. And this matters. Because it's ultimately what the fourth point is about. Is that we are brothers and sisters to one another. You need to understand you're a son so you don't end up like that firstborn who forgets his It was his own brother because he was treating his brother like another worker, like another slave. And the father's going, I am your guys' dad. You are my sons. You are brothers. Why are you treating your brother that way? Aren't you happy he's home is what the father says. He got so overwhelmed, this this firstborn got so consumed, he just forgot to be happy that his brother was home. That his brother wasn't dead. (laughs) Because that could have happened. A lot of bad things could have happened when he was out there doing his own thing. And this is what God is trying to do. This is why Jesus has come to set up this idea of sonship, of I am father. Again, not this big old man sitting with a stick. But because it's what you need to understand. Because there's this idea of family that you need to grasp. And that the peoples to your right and to your left. These are brothers and sisters. And so we should be the last people to make them hold those rocks. We should be the last people that. Bring those rocks back up. It's this free gift that Romans was talking about that death reigned through that one man. And it allows us to see ourselves. In Ephesians 5, 1-12, it says, Intimate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. It's why the New Testament is so obsessed with this idea of faith, hope, love. It's why, you know, you see Paul constantly hammering it away. Like if you could do all these things but you don't have love, if you could do everything, if you have every gift, if you have every ability, if whatever, if you don't have love, it's all empty. And of all the things, these three things remain. Right? We, it's this constant theme through the scripture because he recognized what Jesus was trying to do when he met him on the road. Jesus was telling Paul like you're not this worker for God. And you've been doing your thing and Feeling really proud of yourself and all these religious activities, like I'm a little, little, little mad about. You know, I, I would, I would assume they would have a hard conversation about the Christians Paul killed. Like, hey, man, like that moment that Jesus met him and, and causes his eyes, Paul's eyes, to go blind. Like, I think Paul's recognizing the weight of everything. He's like, oh, I've been chasing these people down. And, and he gets, and I think it's why he recognizes, he's like, oh, these were brothers and sisters. This was my family. This was my family. And so it would make all the sense in the world for a man like Paul then to spend the rest of his time going, hey, church, love one another. Stop killing each other. Stop. Dragging one another. Our Father's love is perfect. He sent this Son, Jesus, to show us that we're sons and not workers. Because when you see yourself as a worker, you see yourself in competition. You see yourself competitively. But when you see God and you see this Father, you see that there's room for everyone because you're a son. And if you're a son, you have an inheritance. If you're a daughter, you have an inheritance. And that anxiety should stop gripping you now. And I think it's what set Paul free in so many ways. Because it stopped gripping him. He was free. But he understood that weight. He's like, and I I, I remember reading that passage. And and just going like, like, that must have crushed him. But it makes all the more sense as to why now he's so adamant about our sonship. And our daughtership. because you are brothers and sisters to one another. And that God, again, our whole theology is framed in loving God and loving people. And if that's what the scripture is telling us, like, there is no two greater things than those things. It's abundantly clear why that's the case. That these are Brothers and sisters. And again, it brings us back to those scriptures on being patient. We said last week where it says, Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness on them. From Colossians 2.13. So this is our high call. This is why God sets it up at the beginning to say, I'm tender and compassionate to those who fear me. For those who are in awe of me. Who know that my love is perfect. That I am actually the fullness of love. I I encompass it. I don't just experience it occasionally the way you experience it occasionally. I am the origin of it. And because of that. The expression, the outworking, my love towards you is perfect. And I want you to understand the weight, but I'm not asking you to sit and carry it forever. And it's why so many of us, I think, wrestle again. Because we think he's asking us to always hold it. Because we're his sons and daughters. Jesus came and said, you are my co-heirs. You are co-heirs in Christ. Everything I have access to, you now have access to. Sonship, a daughter. Because you are all family. You are all family. Brothers, sisters, blood or not. And this is the type of thing that transforms a city. You ask about the overwhelming never-ending, reckless love of God, when we sing that song, it's that, that God will spare no expense to make you understand you are his son and daughter. He will spare no expense to make you understand these are your brothers and sisters. And at a world at war all the time, how do we become people that are the most open-handed, forgiving, compassionate people around? But again, and just like God, we, doesn't mean we let people walk all over us. We understand that God is wanting us to understand the weight. Colossians making it clear, like we need to be patient with one another in those moments. Not cast them out or see them as broken. That we need to be this father that was like the father to the prodigals. And I think it's a lot of times why we struggle to even be a church that wants to outreach or bring or do things because it's like, well, what if somebody shows up and God starts doing things for them and I'm still feeling like I haven't seen anything yet? You're thinking like a worker. Thinking like a worker, not a brother, not a sister. And we might not ever say it, but I know we think it. What if God starts doing something in someone else, and I feel like I'm struggling to see it? Well, I think it's what God's trying to say. You've forgotten that I'm your that you're a son to me. You're a daughter to me. You would not be so consumed. You would stop competing. You would stop wrestling. You would stop toiling you would realize that you want everyone to experience this love. And it will set you free in ways that I can't begin to articulate. So I think we should pray. I think we should spend a moment praying. I think we should ask God to search our hearts in this moment. Because this is really important. And I'm believing God is actually going to speak some really specific things to Christians today. That, regardless of your father, earthly father, and your views of him, if you would be so bold more to say, believer in this room, Christian, you've forgotten what it means to be a son, you've forgotten what it means to be a daughter. And because of that, you have this worker bee mentality for God, and it's making you angry at things you shouldn't be angry about. It's making you aggressive towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's leaving you without patience. And if that's you, if you're a Christian, can you just raise your hand? You're saying, that's me. Like, I've, I think I've forgotten that some of these people are my brothers and sisters. That's me. I'm raising my hand. I forget this. I'm going to pray for this group specifically. Father, I pray as a church, that God, mark us by love, God, in this way that we we don't, we're not sugarcoating anything, God. We understand the weight, Father God. We understand, but we also understand it's not ours to carry. So God, let us be a church that's not competitive it doesn't see ourselves as worker bees in the kingdom but whether we see ourselves as sons and daughters and it changes everything about how we see everyone else it changes everything about how we how we pray because you've you've given us such clarity jesus about how we ask for our daily bread and you've made it so clear about these things that we seek and knock and look for that we will find but it will forever be at a distance, not because you desire to withhold like your scripture says, but because we don't fully see the way you see. We don't see the person next to us the way you see, and so it's impossible for us to pray and seek in a way the way your son Jesus prayed and sought us, counted us as joy. So Lord, bless these believers, God. Bless them. Restore their sonship. That they're daughters. That you're talking about father because you're saying, I dictate your future no matter what you were born into. And another group of people here that are saying like, I don't even know this Jesus. Because even within a church, we apologize if there's ever been a church that has misconstrued who God is. And you got, gotten somewhere along the way, you realize that God was this thing with a stick that somebody took this idea of God making you be mindful of your sin, so that you could come and actually repent of it and do well with holding it forever and it just made you feel awful but if you're in this room today and you're going I want to know the love of God will you just really quickly shoot a hand up so I can see it and pray and you can shoot it back down sees you as a daughter as a daughter So, so let's pray this out together Father God thank you